All right, and welcome everybody to the Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Show. I am Dan Stark here with my co-host Noah Cope. Noah, uh, guess what I didn't do this weekend? You didn't watch the game again, did you? I did not watch the game again. Uh, I sure. I guess last week over oh, that last week I had theater tickets. Uh, this time I had Cub game tickets. Uh, went up to Milwaukee uh, for the last two games of the season and uh, was following the dots on my phone and I saw the disaster uh, that unfolded. However, is um, we are not the only ones who are going to say this undoubtedly, um, probably for the best for the organization. Yeah, it was um, a weird, at least a weird one for me, just because they go up 28 to seven and you're sort of talking yourself back into the season, right? They win this one. They got a quick turnaround on Thursday night against Washington. They find a way to pull that one out. And then you're two and three and you could sort of talk yourself into the season, especially with how fields looked right. And what makes this loss now so weird is that, you know, I'm a huge fan of his, like I, I really root hard for that guy and he looked really, really good. And so now you're at this point where, you know, I, I, I root for the guy and I want him to succeed and he did succeed in that game. But at the same time, if they finish at the top of the draft, it's going to be impossible to pass on, on Caleb Williams. So it's sort of this weird feeling of like fields played well, and that's awesome. And that's sort of what you wanted going into the season, even if it came in losses. But now if things spiral so badly, you know, they just will have to pick Caleb Williams. And I guess it's good that that fields can maybe recuperate some trade value, but it's this weird sort of middle feeling now that I'm, that I'm in. When did you start thinking, well, this is going to fall apart? Was it just right when they scored to make it 28-14? You already started. Uh, when they make, yeah, I mean, I definitely said this is a game. Like, I, I I, got nervous at that point. I was like, you know, this is given our team and, and this defense, uh, who is a you know, different team this year, but that's, you know, going into today at 13 straight games of allowing 25-plus points. I definitely was a little nervous once they cut it to two scores. Like that, the thought that like people were celebrating, like this game had, had ended. Um, and the thought definitely crept into my mind for sure. Like I said, I did not watch the game. I've watched some pieces um, since I got back. The one thing that I thought was a little disturbing. So it's 28, uh, 28, 21. And they're driving well, a little bit, I guess. And yeah, midfield. Uh, they're at midfield. Um, they've picked up one or two first downs on the, on the drive, maybe only one at that point. Uh, and then you have the, the, what was supposed to be a naked bootleg that a guy came free on. And I thought it was interesting because I was, I was trying to text you, like, I think I was texting both you and uh, my friend, Matt, like, was that field's fault? And, uh, the guys on him immediately, but I thought it was interesting. The quotes from fields about that play just again to me got into bad coaching um where it's like i've been coached the worst thing that can happen on that play is to take a sack and it's like no actually right (laughs) the worst thing that can happen on that play is what actually happened on that play um but they've gotten him to be apparently so afraid of sacks that like doesn't realize when, oh, my primary concern here is protecting the football, not avoiding losing 15 yards. But or I honestly, I didn't even, 
mind what he was doing. Like he had a free rusher in his face and he's just trying to get rid of the football. Like obviously it's a negative result, but you know, in another world, he throws that ball out of bounds and it's, it's a new play. And, and, you know, I don't, I didn't even mind. I could, I think it was sort of a results oriented discussion I, we're having right now. I disagree. I think that with the, uh, and maybe this also speaks to his, uh, I don't want to say, inability to process things as quickly. As you're talking situationally, sort of like, hey, you're up yeah, 20, like he was 21. right. I think I was on him immediately. Like you're, he didn't have move time. the ball all day against this defense. Like just take the sack and, and, yes. and let's move forward. Yeah, that like, and again, he's a young quarterback, and I do think that they've been hammering certain things into his head, which has made him worse. Um, and this just to me seemed like another instance where it's like, just eat the ball. He did not have time to make a proper throw in this situation. Like there was, he was on him immediately. There was almost, he had almost no chance of getting that ball past the line of scrimmage, like no matter what he did. Yeah. And there was a very good chance that what happened was what was going to happen. And so that part to me is frustrating. And then as soon as it was tied, what did I, do you remember something that I texted you? What? He wanted to go for it. He was going to turn. The, I knew he was going to turn the ball over again to. Oh. At the end, now I did. I predicted one drive early. Now the go for it thing. So uh, it's twenty. Now it's twenty-eight, twenty-eight. Yeah, they got they the ball to the eighteen-yard line. The eighteen-yard line, and it's, it's fourth and one. Fourth and one. And what are you thinking at this point? I wanted them to kick it, and okay. not. Other than, and I think Colin Coward actually articulated this plan very well. To me, there's so many games in a row where they were down a few points, Fields had the ball, or they, the, they were tied and Fields had the ball, and they haven't been able to, to pull out a win. And so for his sake, in his development, I wanted them to just take the points, say, hey, kid, you played excellent today. You did your job. You're off the hook. Let's see if our defense and our defensive coach can get a stop here, or at the very least force a field goal and get you the ball back, you know, with a few, you know, a minute left in the fourth quarter, send the game to overtime. And, and then you could try and do something there. But so, so for me, it was all about fields and just giving him confidence of, Hey, you did your job. You let us down the field and you executed late in a game to set us up to win the game. Because so yeah. many times in a row he's fallen short and being able to do that, whether it's been, you know, drop passes, been interceptions, whatever. And so I wanted it for his confidence and his sake after what was the best game of his career to just end it on a high note and, and just take the take the points that were there and, and let the kid feel good about this game for once. And he, from what I could see following the dots, which is what I call watching the game cast, it's he had a good drive up to that point, correct? Yeah, like he he was instrumental and. Now, I, on the other hand, texted you, they better go for it. Now, what I'm thinking is there's no way they're going to stop Denver. And if they can pick up a first down here, then they can kick the field goal and the game will be over. Or worst case scenario, or maybe they score a touchdown. What I would not have done. Taking the ball out of his hands. And where this is completely, for one, I would have run the fucking play. Do the thing. If you want to do the thing where you try to draw them off sides, fine. But then run the play. What are you calling a timeout for? They just called timeout. Yeah. Run the goddamn play. Like, what are you? So I don't know if they were planning on 
kicking the field, like trying to draw them off sides and then kicking the field goal if it doesn't work. And then they changed their mind in the timeout. I don't know what the hell happened there, but that was idiotic. Run the, it's, it's inexcusable. You have to have your the, mind made up. What are you going to do? So yeah, just run the fucking play. And if they did know they were gonna, like, that was incredibly stupid. And then the play call, you're going to go out of the shotgun formation on fourth and one. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Like what? That was a horrible call. They do not. They, I mean, look, their line is not good, but why not bunch everybody up? Have I don't, even, I don't even mind the formation. I just wanted to be, the ball to be in Fields' hands. Well, well let, like let him be, you know, running to his right, and maybe he have the uh, run say, pass roll, option. Roll him out to the corner. Like he he can't beat everyone to the corner to get one yard. Or if he can't, and someone's up on him, have, you know that that play where Komet's just leaking out, or Herb, right? Someone's yeah, leaking. It's... So I, again, I, I don't. If you want to respond to what I was saying about just I wanted them to kick the field goal and, and let him finally feel good about one one fucking thing yeah, that's, in the last. That's last a reasonable year. argument. I, I I definitely think that's a reasonable argument. It wasn't someone that's not watching the game. It wasn't one I was thinking about. I was strictly thinking like, there's no way they're going to stop them. So you got to try to you got to try to make this the last possession of the game, right? Um, um, which is again very very concerning that Eberflus, who is the defensive coach, is thinking in that same vein as well. Well, yeah, I mean he he knows that he's terrible. And this guy is so in over his head, and the fact that they officially decided that he was going to continue to call defensive plays again. He cannot even properly coach the team. How can he do that and coach the defense specifically? It's idiotic. And that nobody organizationally is stepping in and being like, hey, dude, you've lost 14 games in a row. Uh, how about you give someone else the defense and you just focus on getting us a goddamn win? Right. No, uh, lost 14 games in a row and given up 25 points a game in every single one of them. So it yeah. doesn't matter. Like, whatever you're doing on defense isn't working anyways. So let's have someone else come in and try and change things up. And maybe you get a different, you know, message in the room, different scheme and, and let's work from there. Um, one thing I did want to touch on is where are you at in terms of fields and the best performances of his career while it was also against, you know, the Broncos. Cause I know there's been a lot of conversation of, well, you know, that team just gave up 70 points. Uh, so while what he did was was awesome, you have to keep it in that perspective. But to me, just watching the tape, there were plays where it was like it didn't matter, like tight window throws, throws while you were taking a hit, where it's like it doesn't matter that this Broncos team is undoubtedly terrible on defense. To make to make those throws against anyone is impressive. Right? Like there's yeah. balls that he's fitting in tight window. And I know you didn't get to watch the game, so I don't know how much you, you saw of this, but to me Yes, like there was some wide open, you know, the, the touchdown to Komet was wide open. Um, there were some busted coverages throughout the game. But that fourth touchdown to Herbert where he makes guy miss uh, was a play, I think, that not many uh, quarterbacks in the league could do. The flea flicker where he, he took the hit and delivered the ball to St. Brown was an unbelievable throw. There was a couple to, to Moore on a slant where he fit in a tight window. Like those tight window throws and throws with the guy bearing down your face, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. To me, those are big time, big time throws. And I love seeing that out of fields. And I didn't care that it was against the Broncos. Uh, I think to me, the more red flaggy, I guess, 
thing uh, than it being against the Broncos, which was just the way that it ended, that he couldn't finish it or didn't make enough plays at the end. And look, I get that, you know, the, 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 um, the fumble return touchdown was a, a fluky thing that where there's a guy on him immediately, but you know, that wasn't. It. And then, like you said, he doesn't get the, the reward for actually leading them on a subsequent drive uh, that was kind of squandered by the coaches um, and then the final interception and the game. So it's even in this, like by far the greatest game of career of his career, a game, I don't, you know, I don't know what his um, PFF score ended up being. I haven't looked at that stuff yet, but it had to have been in the nineties before those plays that we're talking about. Um, it was in a, you know, just from watching, I'm like, wait, is this, a, I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, wait, is he 13 for 13? Is he 16 for 16? Um, he was basically and, 23 for 23. He, had, he was 23 for 24. And the only completion was a Hail Mary at the end of the half. Yeah. He basically completed his first 23 passes of that game. So that part, the fact that he wasn't able to make enough plays and had the same kind of what does that mean? He, he did end. make enough well, plays. He did to support a team with a, with a serviceable defense, but then he still made the same kinds of mistakes at the end is the, the worst part about the game. Not that it came against the Broncos. Um, and you could say that's unfair and like, Hey, you weren't watching, which is all, all true. Maybe it's not, but it would have been really nice if even after the turnover and downs, if on the, after the Broncos kicked the field goal, if he had led them into field goal range, at least. Of course it would have been nice, but how, like how, how much can he actually, you, you throw for 330 yards, four touchdowns. And I would say 95% of the time that a quarterback does that you win the game. Like he, he did everything he could do. He led them on the, the previous drive to, to take the lead. And who knows, yeah. right? Then the, you know, there's yeah. a little more pressure on the Broncos. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yes, it would have been, but I don't know. I don't know what else he's supposed to do. And I think after, you know, he's sitting in his locker 30 minutes after the game and four years. Still, in- it obviously is crushing it. Like he, he, he obviously is, is is really. And obviously, I like to see that kind of thing where he obviously really wants it. He played his heart out. I saw more emotion in this game, which was great. And to me, it was ripped away by by I think coaching. All right, so we uh, obviously agree that this coaching staff is atrocious. I don't, I don't know how you can make the case otherwise. We also agree, I think, that losing this game is best for their, their long-term prospects, right? More likely to clean house with this loss. And like I said, I could see how you would be getting caught up in the moment and that this, this could be something and maybe the season isn't lost, but they're never going to do anything under this coaching staff. I'm doubtful they'll do anything under this general manager staff. Uh, I don't have any confidence in this team president. And to the point that uh, actually my friend Matt made, he's like, when I was like, uh, for their long-term health, this is better anyway. Um, he said, why? So they can, uh, draft Trubisky number one, um, which is true. It's it gets back to what we talked about last week, where it's like even if they fi- finish with the top two picks in the draft, which is right now where they are slated. Right, they have the one in Carolina uh, is picking second right now. Um, 
as long as it's still the McCaskies at the top, I don't see this getting any better. And that's the part where it's like, uh, even, I don't know, because if Caleb Williams really is the player that people think he is, that is the type of thing that no matter how bad ownership is, that turn, like you look at how bad the Bengals franchise is and sort of how, how, you know, people would, would shit on that organization time and time again. They don't have the proper equipment. Their facilities are terrible. Their ownership is terrible. You get a guy like Joe Burrow in there and you can, you know, sort of hide a lot of those warts. And so to me, if Caleb Williams really is that dude that, you know, people were talking about him as already like a top 12 quarterback in the league, if he just came in right now, I I am willing to have faith in, you know, that is the most important position in sports. And if that guy is that special, then even with the McCaskey ownership, um, I think this team is going to be uh, moving in the right direction, similar to to Burrow and the Bengals. Yeah, I don't know. I also think that like you're relying on scouting reports, uh, where it's like if let's let's say they do get Caleb Williams, and then he doesn't turn out to be that great. Is it going to be because the Bears fucked him over, or is it like ah they were just wrong? Like there have been other guys that they were wrong about, and uh, everyone was just wrong. He just didn't have it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but usually I, the guys that are touted in this way, I mean, I don't know who, like, you know, Lawrence is the last guy I remember being sort of touted this this highly, and I think people like Williams even more than Lawrence. Like, they, it usually seems to be that the once a, a decade guy is a little bit more unfuckupable than the, yeah. the, the average well, number one overall pick. You know, and Burrow certainly wasn't even in that category. I know that you're using him, and obviously that, but I would say Caleb Williams, especially at this point in his year, is way more highly regarded than than Burrow uh, was. But like to your point, some guys just have it, although they look. <laughs> yeah, I mean they don't. Oh, look they look he might not awful. be. He might not be healthy, so that's yeah. a different discussion. Yeah, um, but anyway, so I with the McCaskies, I just. It's so hard to have any sort of faith in anything that could happen for this team because they always manage to fuck it up. Yeah. I mean, like I said on last week's podcast, it's going to be the unstoppable force yeah. versus the immovable object of, of can, you know, if, if Caleb Williams really is that guy, can they fuck him up too? And yeah. unfortunately, again, like I said, I'm I'm left sort of with this confused feeling because I'm getting really excited about what I'm seeing from Justin Fields in that game as his first ever 300-yard passing game. There's four touchdowns, makes some plays that I really think only a handful of guys in this league can make. And yet I'm already thinking about the next guy. Like it leaves you with this sort of, and I don't know if, if you're just completely off Fields, and I guess you kind of have to be, but like that's why I'm like left with it. There is, you don't even get, like last year you could sort of have the the moral victories and like be like, yeah. hey, like we lost. Like this year, he had the best game of his career, and you can't even take the moral victory out of it. It seems like at this point, if we're just you know looking to the future and looking to draft picks. However, I yeah, will say, if he does play like the, let's hypothetically, he plays like this the rest of the year. You, you could set up you know whatever Caleb Williams is worth is going to set up a franchise for a long time. I would imagine. Well, if he keeps honestly, if he keeps playing like this, you just trade him. Uh, What's reset, that? You just trade him and reset the clock. No, I, if he keeps playing like this the rest of the year, they're not going to have the number one pick with their pick at least. Right. Um, maybe they'll still have it with. But why not? Carolina. I mean, 
how bad that defense is and how poorly coached they are, it isn't un completely unconceivable that they, I mean, that they're at least in the top three. And and I, even if it's not Caleb Williams, Drake May is is also being touted as as a, a hell of a prospect, and you're going to be able to get a shit ton for him as well. Yeah, I mean, let's see. Let's see him string a couple of games together, sure. and then I, so, I just then, sort then of playing can... that hypothetical out. Yeah, I I think that. Like I said, I, they're going to – if he continues to play like he played yesterday and, you know, maybe it's – he cuts out those mistakes or they're not even – he doesn't even – not even in a position to make those mistakes um, because they're playing so well um, and they actually have a lead, then uh, we can talk. But until then, I think it's pretty moot to so – I do have some more. I like to call them now year from hell stats. You know, last last week I I talked about um, Hargraves and and Carter as you know leading the league in, in pressures, and those were two guys yeah. that were out there. I talked about Stroud as of course you know, he will, continues to look unbelievable. The other Ohio State quarterback, of course. You know, so this week's I've got I've got three year from hell stats. The first one, Nicholas Morrow. That he's yeah sure so Roquan Smith and Nicholas Moore are the two highest rated linebackers for PFF. Um, this week or for the year? No, no, for the year. Nicholas Morrow's the. That's crazy, and that is, I don't. At some point, there's so much talent. Although they, how many points did they allow? Future uh, future Bears coach Eric Bieniemy is really putting together something with uh, that Washington offense. Yeah, so it's it's Roquan 89.4 and uh Nicholas Morrow 84.9 as the two highest graded linebackers per PFF this season. And I noticed that right before I came did, was Morrow here for just last year? Yeah, right. That was a yeah. that was a yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that was a polls signing. Uh I did he even have a sack last year? Did you look? I didn't. Cuz he had 3 yesterday. Right, which is so that's we can get to my second Okay. Stat. He has three sacks. The Bears defense in total has two. Khalil Mack in one game triple That's... up the Bears uh, <laughs> season sack total was six. With so six. Just of course, you know, more more salt in the wound. And yeah, then which is which is one off the NFL record, which I think is one of the most insane records out there. That seven sacks in a game. Oh, it's unbelievable. That's crazy as a team. It's like you your right. defensive front had an awesome game. If they produce seven sacks in a game, yeah, that's uh, I and it's it's crazy that people have approached it. So I guess it just gets to sometimes you just have such a huge advantage over the guy in front of you that there's right or your D line and you're just cleaning. Like I know Mac had some sacks where he was just cleaning some stuff up where a guy got away and he was just yeah like um and then the last one this was going into week four so I don't know how this guy ended up grading out and this one. I, I, I don't even know how this is possible, but you know the second highest rated pass blocking center in the league was going into this week? Mustafer? Yes. Where I don't even know where he is. <laughs> He's with the Ravens. He's their starter? Yes. And that yes. one was like, listen, that guy was absolutely got so I don't know what's going on, but when people seem to be leaving this building, they are are thriving. Yeah, well, I mean, part I think part of it is yeah, yeah, San around Diego. You. San, well, it's not just that, but San Diego. It's like the Ravens and the Eagles 
are clearly two of the best organizations yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in football, right? And so they have good coaching. They have just good overall organizations. Uh, so that's not surprising. The Khalil Mack thing, I think, is a combination of the Raiders are just a disaster and he's got revenge on his mind, even though he did not play well. No, the, the, he has six sacks this season. They all came in that, in that game. Yeah, yeah, and I, and when they played, wasn't it the first year that the Bears played the Raiders and Josh Jacobs kind of ran all over them and the Josh Jacobs game. was the pick? Yeah. Or was that the year after the trade? No, I think that was the f- first. The year of the trade. I think yeah. it was too. I think, Mac, I, think that... Mac, I think Mac didn't, I think he was like almost completely shut down that game. But anyway, my point is he's playing against his former team. That there's yeah, some, maybe some shoulder. juice there. Yeah. Although he's played them a few times at this point. Anyway. So those uh, are this week's year from hell uh, stats. Yeah. The, so those are good year from hell stats. Uh, thank you, Noah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, because the other big story coming out of or going into even yesterday's game was the Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool situation and the like, just the lack of cohesive messaging yeah, by the Bears and not knowing like how to address this or, or Eberflus like again. That's the story. Knowing, that's absolutely the story. Not knowing what's going on, just complete organizational disorder and dysfunction. Um, you know, that they they announced that Claypool was not going to be active, which seemed like retaliatory for Claypool saying that he wasn't being properly used, which look, it's a ridiculous thing for him to say after the way that they gave him more shots after he loafed his way through week one. Um, so for him to come out and criticize the the way he's being used is a little bit, it shows why he was available in trade and all the things that we talked about. It's like, why were the Steelers so anxious to get rid of this guy? It's like, it's just poor judgment. I, I, I agree. They probably aren't using him correctly. He's also not making any effort, or at least had one game where he made no effort, like literally no effort to do his job. So, uh, it's not surprising that this same guy would then criticize the organization. Um, and it's not surprising the organization would then basically shut him down and apparently tell him not to show up. Um, I think he just no showed and now they're just claiming that they told him not to show up. Yeah, I don't, it, to me, this, the story is definitely the lack of of cohesiveness with the messaging from the organization. This is the kind of thing that a competent organization has buttoned up. Everyone from top to bottom is on the same page about what they're going to say about, you know, how, how to handle this and even stay in the the press conference. Iberflus just looks so completely overmatched by questions and by, by reporters. Um, And it just, it's a bad look for the organization. And it just is another example of this guy clearly not really, you know, being a, a competent head coach, like competent head coaches know how to handle these things. They, they say what they have to say. They, they, they give their statement and they're able to sort of move on. Mike Tomlin, Bill Bell, like those guys are not fucking around with what, what's going on with Chase Claypool. Tomlin probably hey. said something like the standard is the standard. He's not meeting the standard and we move on. And that's the end of that. And if I guess who told him to stay home, if not the coaching staff, well, like that, this is the a, a, a general manager would tell them, like someone in the front office. Yeah, Eberflus said that they called him. 
and told him to stay away from the team because that's what's best for the team. Who's they? Him and him and Pulse on the phone. That was his what he said today in the press conference. But why didn't he say that? Because he didn't know how to message it. Correct. And I think when he when he said it was his choice to stay home, the potentially the rationale, and I heard this is was not this is like someone can't remember who said it, but they were basically like it's like when your parents like you're in a timeout and it and they're like, well, it's his choice because he knew what the rules were and he didn't follow the rules. So theoretically, even though we're putting him in timeout, it was his oh, choice. Oh, I see. That's fucking idiotic. No. Uh, so yeah, just a complete incompetence. And I will say the one point I wanted to make about uh, the Claypool trade and the disaster of the Claypool trade is I was also wrong because he quite clearly was not worth the Ravens second round pick pick either yeah right that which is my argument the whole time it's like fine you want to do this trade then it's got to be the ravens pick not the bears pick that pick is too valuable for a guy you're going to be able to get a guy at the top of the second round on a rookie contract who's going to be more productive than claypool uh but any pick for this guy would have been a bad trade uh even if it wasn't a second rounder um he's a disaster they again, I think that one of the lessons has to be with something like this. Like, you really need to ask yourself, why is this guy being made available? Everyone is looking for big, strong, fast, productive wide receivers. This guy has only been productive as a rookie. We're hoping to recapture that, but in a decent year, too. There's still should have been but guys are made available like and it you you know it could have been a money thing right the Seahawks have johnson they they drafted pickens and like guys become available through money right and so you know aj brown was traded because of money uh uh, tyree kill was traded because of money like those organizations aren't like why is this guy available what's the red flag with with hill or aj brown no but they also had a much longer track record of success. They were not clearly in decline. AJ Brown was never really properly used there, but he was better as the seasons went on. He didn't have his best year as a rookie. Yeah, but I'm my my point is like just because a guy is available doesn't necessarily mean that. No, but I'm the, saying the the combination. There are other teams willing here. to offer second round picks. I know. I know. There's other teams would have also made a mistake. Look, it's no. I remember when the uh, when the Raiders um, got uh, oh my god what the, I can't think of Deion Branch no, no the Antonio Brown oh yeah and it was like they it, it was the same thing with Deion Branch and the Patriots where Belichick basically gave him away and didn't want to pay him and yeah but yes yeah, same thing Raiders with Antonio got, Brown when the Raiders got Antonio Brown almost universally it was like. What the fuck are the Steelers doing? Uh, this is crazy. They could have a fourth rounder. Are you kidding me? Um, never played, never played a snap uh, yeah. for the Raiders. Um, and yet still was a better deal than the Chase Claypool trade. Yeah, because at least the upside of Antonio Brown is, is crazy high. Well, was, the downside was only a fourth rounder, not the right. 32nd overall pick in the draft. So where historic, like I have people who are like, this is up there with one of the worst trades ever. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, would... I like Watson and Wilson, I think, are probably worse in recent memory just because of of what it actually means to commit to a quarterback like that on top of the whatever the three first round picks that they had to give up. So to me, those are in their own sort sort of category. But of a non quarterback trade, that's all I, I gonna say. I can't think like Ricky Williams. If you take quarterbacks out, it's even Ricky Williams had some very good years. I guess not right. his, his gave up the in, the entire draft. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just crazy. Like modern, um, like Herschel Walker, Her- Herschel like within Walker. the modern era, or at least say, like the twenty first century. This has yeah, got to be up said, there. I don't even. I definitely don't think Herschel Walker is modern era, although that pains me to say that. Um, yeah, because when you said that, I was thinking of all the other ones. I was thinking of were quarterbacks, Trubisky, um, and the Trubisky trade in itself. It's the really the pick that makes it bad, right? Because uh, I at the time, and I was obviously wrong about this, but my rat, I was like, if this is your guy, go get your guy. It just happened that. Of the three guys available, they picked the wrong one. Yeah, and they didn't need to do the trade up. That was the whole thing. That was the but part I, that I was, made, like, made I me care. insane. Like I, I know you like, didn't care, but I was fucking pissed. Yeah, well, they had Patrick Mahomes, and you're not pissed. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that is true. Um, the other one that I've been thinking a lot about lately is Lance, because think of how good that 49ers team would be with all of those picks supplementing their incredibly strong team without any value from, I don't, I can't remember exactly what they traded, but it was a boatload um, to get first round picks. Two first round picks and and well, they swapped right? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a second in there, but I think it was pretty much too. too, I honestly, I'm still like, after seeing what fields did with protection and again, it was against like, I'm still on the, the, the bandwagon of if he was on that team, he would be yeah, a superstar. I, yeah, I I can. And you asked me before, and we didn't. I didn't address it. Am I completely done on fields? No, Just I think on that the there. Yes, that's the whole thing. I don't. I don't have any confidence that this coaching staff, this regime, is going to be able to get the best out of him. I could totally see them uh, drafting Drake May. They, they don't get the topic. They draft Drake May. They trade Justin Fields for like a third rounder or whatever the hell it happens. And Fields ends up being 10 times the quarterback that Drake May does. That's certainly so in the what, realm of possibility. What do we even, like, I, I, do we just root for the draft at this point? Like, that's, it's sort of such a weird feeling that four weeks in, like, I'm at this think, point where there's nothing to seeming a root for i'm still just going to root for fields like to me when he plays well i i love the guy i think he's a really really fun player to watch so i'm just going to be rooting for that um and if he can you know look like that the rest of the way then i think we have a franchise quarterback no matter what um so that's sort of i guess where i'm at is hoping that he can string together games like that and that can be a confidence booster um for him but for a lot of fans who you know aren't really believers in fields and never really were at this point, I, I think it's just Carolina losing and the Bears losing, right? I was going to say, I think the biggest thing to root for is um, on November 9th, a tie. And that is when <laughs> That's Carolina, the, the Carolina versus the Bears. That is a must-tie game. Uh, neither team can pick up a win because that might screw it up. 
So they, yeah, the, have the truth to have a is, losing game. to this Broncos team is incredibly important. Yeah, I, seemingly the, this Broncos team is. It's hard to imagine that this isn't one of the fellow worst teams in the league and that losing to this game um, could end up being like. uh... Wait, did they lose to the Texans last year? No, they beat the Texans, didn't they? They did. Yeah. As I say, like like losing the Texans, but they didn't even do it. Yeah. (laughs) In terms of draft standing, that's a very important one to have lost. Um, but you were really on the like, oh, maybe this, I guess you're right. If you were watching Fields and he's just ripping it up and completing everything. The guy's 23, not, essentially 23 of 23, right. Yeah. Like, let's, let's, you know, win today. Let's win Thursday. And all of a sudden that, that sort of feeling we had preseason is kind of back. Yeah. So what is your, uh, what's your prediction for Thursday though? Oh, I think that Washington front seven is the real deal. I think there's a, there's a very, I'd be more surprised a field's thrown for two fifty plus than him getting mauled most of the day and, and yeah. we end up losing, you know, twenty seven seventeen. And I don't what are they one and three or are they two and two? Washington? Yeah. They're two and two. They got crushed by the Bills last week, but they put up an awesome fight against maybe the Eagles yesterday. Against yeah. the Eagles. So maybe, you know, they are sort of like I guess I don't know. I think they, they win that game and the Bears probably have a better chance of winning Thursday night, coming off a tough overtime loss. They probably are are highly motivated to to get right back on track Thursday night. But the other thing about the the Redskins is they've put up a lot of points, right? Command Am Commanders. I, what'd I say? Did I say Redskins? Redskins? Yeah. yeah. Uh the Commanders, um, I guess they only have eighty-nine in four games. I felt like they were scoring more than that. Maybe it's the two games I've been paying attention to. Well, they, they, they put they up a bunch, they put up a bunch against the Broncos as well. Um, thirty plus. Oh, is that week one? Week or is that week two? Two, I think. Okay, all right. And then they put up a bunch against the Eagles. Okay. So, Bianami, I I have been impressed with with what they've been able to do, and I don't even think Howell's that good of a quarterback. Right, that's the thing. If he's if he's make if he's uh creating a productive offense uh around Howell, that's that's a pretty impressive job. Right, because obviously the the thought is like, well, you have Mahomes, and with how the Chiefs have been looking re- recently, on top of Washington, like I don't think the first like you, if you're Eric Bieniemy, your stock can't be much higher than it is at this very moment. Yeah, uh, Washington is allowed the third most points in the league. They are allowing a hundred and twenty, or they've allowed a hundred and twenty points. That's Bears are 137. Game. Yes, the Bears have had 137. The Broncos have allowed 150. Yeah. And then the Dolphins, surprisingly. So are- honestly, it's not inconceivable that feel you know he puts together a, a, another solid game. And then I'm I'm really I I don't know you know he throws for another 300 and, and a few touchdowns and then I I really I'm starting to get you know confused on on what I'm rooting for here. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of that, Stroud had another good game. Phenomenal. Still no in, no interceptions, right? Still no interceptions. I think he's got up to 1,200 yards now. Uh, threw for 300 yards again. Um, I mean, the kid looks like an absolute stud. And 
it's not like there's you know a whole lot going on in terms weapons wise um in Houston and he just looks confident and and I sort of I loved what he said post game where and he was like noticed a lot of Pittsburgh fans and he's like I'm I want to be a guy that you, know, you walk into the Houston and you know you can you 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 wear our jersey and you could be you know prideful of of what we're doing and, 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 you know, we can show out and, and I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of how he's acted and uh, how confident he seems to be out there. Yeah. It's a good thing to, to want to turn your home stadium into an actual home stadium. Right. And not like every game is a road game for you. Uh, the first place Houston Texans, uh, also the last place Houston Texans, yeah, I'm not going to begin to dissect that division. <laughs> Every, all four teams in the AFC South are two and two, and the crazy, uh, insanely enough, um, they're all two and two. The Colts point differential minus two. The Jaguars differential minus two. The Titans differential plus, plus two. two. Yeah. The Texans screw it up by being plus seventeen. Otherwise, the deuces are wild. Well, they've won uh, two in a row. They've won two in a row. That's true. Uh, that's pretty crazy. So, Noah, any other bows you want to put on this uh, Bears game before we move on? Yeah, real quickly, can you power rank for me? And this is just more salt in the wound. The Bears coaches post Lovey Smith. What? How would you? How would you power rank them? Yeah. Where's Eberflus fall? Okay. Um, so just just. To help you out here, there's okay. Trestman, Fox, Nagy, and Eberflus. Yeah. Nagy, one, which is <laughs> fucking... <laughs> right. Fox, two. Although... They had some good forget, offenses under Trestman. People forget. That's like I say. People forget that first year, they Trestman the best looked offenses. like a good hire. Yeah. Same with Nagy. Yeah. Um, so, I, Trestman... Eberflus is definitely last. Nagy is definitely first because they actually made the playoffs. Um, But just think about that. Like Iberflus is last in a group of Trestman, Fox, and Nagy. Yeah. It's in any sane situation, uh, Nagy would be last. Right. Right. It's crazy that of the last four that he's the best one. And I don't, I think I mentioned this on a previous one. When they fired Lovey Smith, I said, I don't really like the move because I think Lovey Smith is a solidly average NFL coach. He's certainly not top 10, but he's not bottom 10 either. And if you have a coach who is roughly the 16th best coach in the NFL, there is a 50, 50 chance that the guy you hire is going to be worse. Well, to me, and I said this on a past pod when we talked about this, they fired him after a 10 and six season as if, the standard in Chicago is so much higher than that. Yeah. And the, a season where they would have made the playoffs at 10 and six had the Packers beaten the Vikings right. in what was kind of a meaningless week 17 game. Right. It was a last second field goal for the Vikings. I balled my eyes out that, that week. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I never thought that that was a good look again. Lovey Smith was not a great coach. Lovey Smith was though a competent coach. And, as I said uh, on a previous one, probably the best of my lifetime. I know obviously Ditka has the Ditka things, but I think that a lot of that was Buddy Ryan uh, 
driven. Um, but certainly at worst, the second best coach of my lifetime uh, is Lovey Smith. And that is also pretty telling. <laughs> so, I mean, if the goal, I guess, is to be bad this season, then you probably just hang on to Eberflus, right? Yeah, but I don't think anyone is coming in on like an interim basis and doing jack shit with this team. So I would like to see them get rid of him just for the um, to show that they're like trying, right, or that they're paying attention. Um, I don't, I don't know why there's like such a such a great point of pride to have never fired a coach at midseason. Like what, this is the dumbest stat of all time. Well, it's also like if you're in an organization that actually cares about what's going on, you'll make the moves when they need to be made. There's no nothing prideful about the fact that you won't f- fire someone midseason. Other than I, I understand like the it's you know we're well run like we don't have to, but when you have to do it, you have right. to, right? It's like you you have to make the moves when they're necessary. Otherwise, you're just being ne- negligent. Yes, it'd be like if the if the Steelers had never fired a coach at midseason, it's because yeah, because you're always like four and four. It right. worst. Right. Like you've, you've never been out of it. But when you have several seasons, when you are terrible at midseason, you should be firing your coach. It's like I say, I've never failed a class because you just drop out of all of them. It's like, well, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, we putting a bow on the Bears stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, before we move on, I guess maybe this is a. A, a shake it off a weirdly apropos shake it off um have you seen the trend i think it was a tiktok thing of um women saying to their football fan husbands like taylor swift put travis kelsey, kelsey on, on the map. map i have seen that yes okay uh i've wanted to address this because well I have a, I, i'll go ahead but i have a very actually a very very funny opposite reaction to that so go ahead okay well i don't know if it's opposite they're right she did put him on the map look and obviously travis kelsey is a famous football player but he's not that famous he's not like tom brady famous right he's he was a pretty certainly among nfl fans yeah he's arguably the best tight end of all time probably you know he's he's, unarguably top three i would say yes he is a famous football player he does not. He did not until this have any crossover though beyond football. Well, he hosted fans. Saturday Night Live. Okay, uh, that's pretty what mega. That mean? What does that mean in today's? Yeah, me, I mean, you, it's something. You have to be somewhat culturally relevant sure. to be hosting it's, Saturday it's Night Live. It's something. It's something. But he did not have a lot of. There were literally millions and billions of women. Taylor Swift who, is arguably. And I, I'm probably not arguably. She is the biggest celebrity in the world. So yes, she obviously put him on the map in that way. Yeah, I, I I think that's pretty inarguable. Although you know the NFL is one of the the most watched products in America, yeah. so he's yes. going to be mega famous by the fact that he's the you know the top three tight end of all time in the yeah. most watched sport in America. I would say that, and he's worldwide, a personality. I would say that worldwide. She is easy, she has easily 10 times the name recognition. Came into this that did not know who uh Taylor Swift was 
but knew who Kelsey was. Well, and that, there were a so, lot of people. So that's what was really funny is yesterday, my grandfather was over and we were watching the, oh God, the Sunday night game. <laughs> and he was like, oh, that's the singer that's dating Travis Kelsey. <laughs> like, that's how he knew who <laughs> she was. All right. So there's one person. <laughs> there was one person <laughs> who legitimately and honestly only knew who she was. I guess that's true. Well, I, you know, you're right. There is the I would say it's probably uh, per, potentially there is some fraction of male boomers who do not know. Oh, actually, or greatest generation. Yeah, I think. Or silent generation, I think, is probably what your grandfather is. Right. He's he's I think he's pre boomer. Uh by the way, this is not my father we're talking about. <laughs> For those of you who have caught on, that Noah, Noah is my nephew. This is the this is Noah's uh, father's father. Uh, I am Noah's mother's brother. Um, so yeah, okay. So one person, but essentially, many many people learned who Travis uh, Kelsey was over the last ten days. Many more than learned who Taylor Swift. Let me is. put it to you this way: there is a reason why the NFL is so invested in showing yes. her as much as possible. Yeah. I think she's now the background of their Twitter page. The um I think the bio on Instagram is that like Swifties are are two and as Chiefs fans. Like they're there's a reason why they're eating it up as much as possible because they're unlocking a totally new demographic for them. Yeah. And his jersey sales went up four hundred percent. He gained I think a million followers on Instagram. Uh this has definitely been definitely been uh good for him all right so so shake it off is actually a perfect uh name for that's what i was saying it's extremely apropos uh all right so we are so deep already um but we should talk about the cubs should we do a part two yeah i feel like i i I like i'm i'm on a thing now noah where i'm like i really like keeping it to like under an hour all right let's do let's do a part two Okay. All right. This has been part one of Destarka Cope Chicago Sports Podcast. Uh, Join us again probably just in a few days uh, when we'll talk about the Cubs season and um, its disappointing end, but maybe a little hope around the corner. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.